Welcome to MJ's Magic Hour. Less than an hour, yet jam-packed with New Earth Magic. I'm your host, Magdalena Jensen, transformative coach and mediator. Let's jump right in. Hello, hello, dear listeners. Welcome to episode 35 of MJ's Magic Hour. Wow, I can't believe I'm at 35 already. What started as a bit of a passion project has taken up some momentum, so this is exciting. And I've been waiting strategically to have today's guest on for kind of that moment, that moment when I felt the ping, that it is the right moment to bring Candice Young from Ninth House Astrology. She's my astrologer. I've been waiting to bring you on when I feel like it is your wisdom is what we all need to hear. So um, that is this week. I mean, this week we have uh, the second in eclipse kind of closing a a portal, a window of eclipses. Mm -hmm. We're in Mercury retrograde. We have just so many things happening cosmically Mm -hmm. this year. Um, And there are just so many things I want us to talk about (laughs) Um, and really try to break down some of the astrological happenings. And I am noticing more and more people getting into astrology and what you and I might call, I know, right? What you and I might call quote unquote woo woo things. (laughs) So um, that's, I think this large spiritual awakening that's happening. And so I want to also make sure we touch on um, how can you start uh, to understand yourself through astrology or how can it help you? Um, And I think you're the perfect person, Candice, to talk about this stuff today. So before we get into all of it, could you please introduce yourself for our listeners? Thank you for having me. Episode 35. Wow. Congratulations. Thank Um, you. Yeah, it's wonderful to be here. It's always lovely to chat with you. My Gemini Mercury and your Gemini Sun just, it flows, isn't it? Yes. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, my name is Candice. I'm sitting, I realize I'm sort of very... I'm imbibing this Taurus energy, it's sort of green going on around. Yeah, I love it. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I am currently doing astrology. I'm an astrologer, astrologist, um, and what turned, like for so many people, a bit of a side passion into a full passion. Um, Thank you, COVID, for dragging me away from the corporate and bringing me into this. Um, Mm. And I, I will say it's not, you know, I'm not someone that had this huge spiritual awakening and it brought me here. Astrology's just always been in my soul. Mm. Uh, my my mother had my birth chart done when I was very young it's something I would it's just a language I understand and there are so many languages in which we can understand the world uh, for me this is my chosen one but um, I always think of you know it's a love language it's like I can see you so you can see yourself and then we can you know and from that but then that's where astrology tarot human design whatever you want to pick so I for some reason that chose me um, and I've been doing it pretty much uh, well professionally for the last three to four years. But as always, with any, um, you know, budding astrology, you're doing it at parties for people yeah. on your phone or there's, and there's a fascination for anyone's like, that's where it starts. You know, you start, you go onto astro.com and you type in your details. And um, and then eventually for me, it just became more of a calling, strange word, I guess, to use. But that's how it feels. Um, mm. So, yeah, I specialize in birth chart readings. Um my favorite thing to do and moving more and more into using astrology from a coaching perspective because mm-hmm. you know, the importance of this is yes it's very archetypal archetypally significant but how do we apply that to day-to-day life and what does it yeah. mean 
Yeah, um, I so love that. Those two are a great combination. Yeah, I love that. That's so cool. Um, and I mean, I am not an astrologer by any means, but I'm kind of an amateur in this stuff and it's so fun to learn about my goodness is it fun and when you as you said at a party right like yesterday i was at a barbecue and just chatting with someone and they mentioned that they're cancer son and i was like oh yeah that makes so much sense and just it it just it just makes sense when you get into it (laughs) um so let's dive into really the 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 main reason that i asked you to be on this week um, one of the biggest astrological happenings of the year, I'd say, maybe, mm. maybe, um, you can tell me what you think on that. Um, but we have a lunar eclipse and a full moon at the end of this week mm-hmm. from May it. 5th to 6th overnight. Um, and it feels big. Everyone keeps talking about we're in this eclipse portal. We had the solar eclipse 10 days ago or so. Two weeks later, we have this uh, lunar eclipse. I would love to hear from your perspective, A, if you could break down a little bit of the, the, the astro- astrological basics, kind of what's happening, what degrees are we at, what houses are we in, what, mm-hmm. what signs, blah, blah, blah. But also, what does that mean? What are we feeling on an individual and collective basis? Yeah, perfect. Yes, eclipse season. So we have generally two eclipses a year and you're right they are they're significant points so the science bit to sort of start this is where you know astrology and astrology when they once were one and then obviously over the uh, centuries they've started to move apart but um and so the nasa websites will tell you how this works and essentially we there is um an intersection where we have the the moon's orbit essentially intersects with the the orbit of the earth going around the sun so on a full moon, as um, as we can see bright in the sky, we have the full um, light of the sun shining on the moon. Twice a year, there is a point, and we'll come back to this uh, terminology later, where the moon's nodes um, reach the same point, and we basically have an eclipse. So what is happening? We've got the sun, we've got the earth, and then the moon moves in front of it. So in that moment, you get that kind of fiery ring, which people mm. often associate with um, a lunar eclipse. So you can have a total eclipse, you can have a partial eclipse, um, and twice a year this happens because twice a year the um, the moon the moon's nodes meet with um, the sun and moon. So either a solar eclipse that's on a new moon because with the sun and the moon in the same sky. So the solar eclipse that happened um, on the 20th, 20th of April mm-hmm. at 29 degrees of Aries. And mm. it was actually a very rare one because mm. um, it was the first time we'd had two eclipses in the same sign. Very, very rarely happens. But they're always in opposing signs. So at 29 degrees of Aries, we had um, this solar eclipse. And then obviously two weeks later, like, you know, the, the standard moon cycle, we come around to the full moon and then we have the lunar eclipse. So solar eclipse, sun, moon together, shining down on the earth, um, come all the way down to the um, the, fo- the lunar eclipse, the full moon. So, and th- as I say, this happens twice a year when it meets the nodes. Mm-hmm. So the astrology comes in because the astrology tells us where in the sky is this happening. So we know that there are 12 um, areas within the sky, 12 
constellations and to be clear to people the astrology constellations are not the same as the astronomy constellations they have okay. similar names we let yeah. them keep those that's fine <laughs> but they don't change so when you hear this a lot of this rubbish about like oh there's an extra um there's an extra sign or whatever it's it's not the, the world you know the um 360 degrees don't change until physics change and we get more than 360 right circle that won't change so depending on which area of the sky they're in which at the moment and for the last time actually for another 19 years they are in the areas of the sky of Taurus and Scorpio so we okay. so these eclipses are happening on the Taurus Scorpio polarity okay. so okay. that's kind of the the sciencey bit they the eclipse portal lasts for about 34 days so pretty much just a little bit for, um, longer than your standard 29 day lunar cycle so when people talk about an eclipse window or an eclipse portal, this is like this funky kind of topsy-turvy energy mm. we're feeling is, is through that eclipse time. So we um, have, sorry, just to be different. clear, we have sun mm. in Taurus, moon in Scorpio. That's that polarity that axis. Yes. yes. Okay, great. Exactly right. And that also happens to be the natal chart I was born under. I have mm -hmm. natal sun in Taurus, natal yeah. moon in Scorpio oh wow love I'm it really, uh, yeah and you're feeling this like you know mm. you have moon and scorpio also like this I need do. for us both to always go deep and we just want yeah. to get into it all the time um and because it's um with this um so the the nodes of the moon have been um they, they stay in a sign for about a year and a half on a on an axis so they've been um and when you say nodes of the moon that's the north and south pole of the, the moon. north and yeah right. the, the base and again so, <laughs> so this is what they call the ecliptic that yeah. that goes um the the orbiting um path around the moon there's an intersection point and this is in, in vedic astrology in any kind of astrology the nodes always come into it it's like we've just known since the dawn of time that these are very important points for us mm -hmm. in our um in, in the the sun and the moon's kind of journey and because the sun and the moon archetypally are kind of the father and the mother mm -hmm. and when it came to harvest and when it came to agriculture we always look to those so we have this kind of almost parental relationship with them mm -hmm. and of course that magic of when they meet that creation point that forms these nodes so we have a descending node south node exactly as you said and we have an ascending node um if you're into vedic astrology that's rahu and ketu they're just you know they're very significant points so when we have the sun and the, um and on the uh, solar eclipse the sun and the moon together meeting on that point that's when we're on eclipse mm -hmm. essentially so Again, you go on to go on to NASA YouTube. You can see some lovely drawings around this. Explain it a lot better than I am. No, I love how you explain it. It's actually <laughs> broken down very well. Thank you. Yes. Um. So, so that's the that's kind of the science of it. Um. And of course, if we were scientific, we'd leave it just there. But we're not. We're meaning making creatures. Mm. We're like, what does this mean? What has this meant for thousands of years? So, eclipse season, as we said, it it presents a kind of um it's got a quantum change kind of energy to it i eclipses have long 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 been held as these very dramatic turning points mm -hmm. throughout the year and they are a way of the universe nature whatever it is getting us to pay attention mm -hmm. change embracing change they uproot us they surprise us they shift us out of our comfort zone mm -hmm. it feels weird it feels like jangly and we can't you know so when there's some complacency, um, often they'll they'll come in. And I often find if people feel like, you know, I've been I've been stuck in, there can be a feeling certainly before the solar eclipse of I'm a bit stuck, things aren't mm -hmm. moving. And like adding to that, obviously, a Mercury retrograde in Taurus. Mm -hmm. and it's like, I'm just spinning my wheels here in the mud. 
the eclipse bringing this kind of quantum change where you know normally it's i do this then this then this abc and whereas the eclipse is bringing this quick energy and it's like whoa like something else has just kind of come in so that again they've long been associated with just this idea of change because they've yeah. such a there's such a potent little fulcrum there for where these points meet um you know and affecting us here on earth yeah. so um so eclipses you know and it's not to overemphasize it however you're feeling and understanding this energy at the moment is personal to you and that's a beautiful thing about astrology it makes it personal as above so below mm -hmm. but this is what's happening around us now how am I working with that change you can check out where you know 29 degrees of Aries is in, in your own personal birth chart you can look at um you know, you can look at where the eclipses happen. And all of this is available online. That's the brilliant thing nowadays. We have to sit with scientific calculators and figure it out. So you can actually see wh where is this happening for me? Where could this this quick fire change, this this push forward that's being asked of me? Where can that happen for me? Um, and as you mentioned, we are dealing at the moment in particular of change within change. Mm -hmm. There's so much happening planetarily. There's so many shifts. Saturn's just gone into Pisces, Aquarius, um, sorry, Pluto's just gone into Aquarius and stationed retrograde to today for the first time in 248 years. That's crazy. You know, it's never going to happen in our lifetime yeah. again. We are just, and I think we can all feel it. Yeah. And I think with, I'm sure with your community and the people listening to this, we're on this precipice in the midst of change. And yeah. I guess, you know, and with um, Taurus being the the, um, the North Node, you know, we're, we're clinging for this stability. We're, mm. we're looking to find a sort of a sense of grounding. Now, that's all well and good, but the the, the Taurus um, archetype teaches us that Taurus is quite solitary. It's the bull in the field. Mm. My, my sense of stability must come from me. If I continue mm. to look outside, for, for governments, for professionals, for external people, for this world to show me like the stability and the worth. Taurus is very connected to money and worth. Just a very, it's fixed earth, very tangible. When I look outside for that, this new world, it's just not, it's not being provided anymore. That You know, this is, this is the shadow side. Things are starting to fall away. So yeah. can I find that stability within me? What, what are my drivers? I love where, that. You know, so I think that's as, as Taurus, um, as we move through this, this last eclipse in um, the Scorpio Taurus for a little while, that's the lesson we've been learning. Hmm, fascinating. So I just looked at my own birth chart real quick, and I'm sure you know this because you're amazing at remembering these things. <laughs> my north node is at 29 degrees of Aries in the 10th house. Um, and I'm not entirely sure what that means, <laughs> other than I also know, and this is part of what I want to talk about today, mm. um, that there's a nodal return kind of shift happening this yeah. year as well. Um, I know Aries archetypally is kind of a warrior, uh, leader, fire sign, kind of forward moving. Yeah. yeah absolutely. <laughs> oh, you're feeling into it already. I love it. Beautiful. Right. So absolutely. And it's, it's a great to go from the eclipses into the nodes of the chart is perfect because we already mm. talk about nodes. Yeah. That's above. So this eclipse that we're all experiencing. So this is a cycle for all of us. And let's talk about you. And this will Before we do that, before yeah. we talk about me, which I can't wait, <laughs> <laughs> um, let's also just, I would love to hear what is your recommendation for, let's say, people listening mm. 
how can they handle what's going on right now? A lot mm. of people say like, don't make rash decisions, ride the waves. And I'd be curious, what's your mm. perspective on how can people listening handle what might be coming up for them? Because it could be a bit turbulent, as you've said, right? Mm. Yeah, I mean, so one of the things that often gets bandied around during eclipse season is, and I see this more in the kind of witchy magic community mm -hmm. who I adore, um, <laughs> but it's um, don't manifest over an eclipse. Exactly. Um, so you hear that a lot. Now, I find that, I mean, I find it kind of a strange um, sort of sentiment and perhaps I'm not understanding it fully, but the way evolutionary astrology works and my personal view is we are creating every minute of every moment of every day. Of course. We are, we're innate consciousness as creativity, yeah. right? That's who we are. So to kind of say, no, 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 take a step back and don't create, it's kind of saying, no, 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 don't breathe. Don't be a human mm. in this body. Yeah. Um, so I get the sentiment and the sentiment is a recognition of everything's crazy out there. Whatever you ask for may come back to you in a kind of weird way. So, mm. and what I love is there's an honoring here, probably a very ancient honoring of these turbulent energies. But I guess... In, in a world that is so fast moving and will continue to be, as you've just said, we can't now stay back and go, I'm not going to manifest while I wait for the waves to stop being choppy. Because mm -hmm. guess what? The waves aren't going to stop being choppy. Yeah, I was going to say, it's just like <laughs> chop after chop after yeah, chop. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So we can't predict the weather, but mm -hmm. we can learn to steer our own ship. I love that. Now, yeah. and I think... And that's what, and this is what self-sovereignty is about. And this is why astrology, quite frankly, had a bad name for a long time, because under, shall we say, more of a patriarchal kind of organized religion, whatever it may be, mm -hmm. you know, the idea of you are in control of your own destiny can be, that's not, that's not a good way to control people, right? Yeah, when you yeah, tell yeah. people they've actually got their own ability and their own mm -hmm. gifts to work with. So best that, you know, you sit back and you live your life in a kind of nice feudal system and we as the overlords will tell you how yeah, to work and you keep working the land. And so the kind of, you know, the rebellious feminine of the, like that sort of witchy energy would say, you know, they're, they're acknowledging this um, tumultuous energy and saying don't manifest and don't work with it. That's actually not a great idea. I would mm -hmm. say continue to manifest. And perhaps what you're manifesting, like we said, is not for clearer seas, but for a stronger ship. Mm. And that would be like, how am I going to handle this? Because, you know, and again, it's I don't want to keep using sailor analogy. <laughs> They're <laughs> great. I'm with you, girl. I love the water. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's, that, it's that deep. It's, uh, yeah, we'll play. It's that deep Scorpio. Um, but it's like, you know, it's like, you know, fair seas never a good sailor makes. But it's true. It's like you mm. don't, you're going to have to burn your sea legs with all of this. So the idea of handling is probably the first abandon the idea that we're going to going to be saved like you are your own hero mm -hmm. and guess what there's so much autonomy in that there is mm -hmm. so much and again this is where the birth chart opens up say so are you working with that autonomy like you know if I pull your birth chart and I'm like you know let's look at this this Aries north node are you stepping into that boldness well no I can't because of course it's out of your comfort zone it's terrifying but by god like that's really when you start to live life in this creator energy mm -hmm. so yes manifest but manifest for some rather than say manifesting within a only if it happens in this way just it's opening that creative yeah. center to be this is so different the world is changing we are creating something new all, all day every day so you may as well get your thoughts aligned to that rather than this yeah. idea of 
you know, within this previous container. That's my feeling. I love that. And for me, I also notice that it's really helpful to do some extra nervous system regulation, part of building self-sovereignty, right? To really take care of my human vessel through all of this. Um, And and I love uh, what you said, to manifest a stronger ship. That's beautiful. So really to use this energy to work on yourself. and manifest with this openness that what might come maybe isn't necessarily what you asked for but it's what you need oh yes yes again that release of control yeah that i might be open to something that my you know my let's say my sort of more 3d brain is wouldn't necessarily see that and again this is eclipse energy it's quantum it's Mm -hmm. not thinking in the kind of smaller way it's it's saying what are the bigger things that will best serve me um Mm. and I often find it's people that have been telling me for a long time they want a shift and then when it starts to happen we're like well you know and that's human nature to sort of go you know and it's like just know you're ready for it you are never given anything you cannot handle absolutely so use this time as you say do the self-regulatory stuff understand where this is you know especially if this eclipse is happening for you in kind of the the sixth house or you know someone that might be sort of affecting your health or Mm -hmm. you might be showing it might be showing your career and like all of a sudden like there's some some you know there's a lot of people right now who just are feeling very unsure in their career are you on your path are you really doing what you want to be doing yeah you know, is there an opportunity within this? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's just taking it that bit deeper because it's, it's offering us something. And my last guest that I had on here, we talked about human design and what mm. she kept saying, which I love, is that we're moving into this era where we're all inevitably at some point going to start to be shifting into that, doing that which lights us up, mm. right? And when we're doing that, which lights us up is when we're really living our fullest human experience, our fullest human potential. So I love how all of these systems, as you also said earlier in your introduction, are Mm -hmm. intertwined, aligned, overlapped. I just think it's so, it's so fascinating. (laughs) It's so fascinating. And it's that thing, you know, it's like, you know, it's, it's the, it's the arm pointing to the moon. Don't worry about the arm, just like they're all pointing up there. So yeah. let's not get caught up in that. But it's you know it's it's a it's it's a lens through which to see things and where a truth resonates. And we all know what truth resonates like in our own body. And if we don't, we're about to learn it. I was going to say it's... now's the time to learn, right? Yeah. Um, it blows my mind. This is getting a little off track, and I, and I did plan to come to this later, but I'm just going to say it now. It blows my mind that people don't believe that astrology is relevant they believe it's a bunch of hoo-ha or whatever it's like dear human the moon literally affects for example just the moon just taking the moon let alone all the other planets and astrological bodies just looking at the moon it literally affects the ocean waves and we're 70 plus percent water of course it affects our body (laughs) you know and i mean i grew up with parents that are into biodynamic gardening um, and biodynamic farming and they have a calendar that teaches them all year long how to plant how to harvest what to plant what to harvest when based on astrological positionings. You know, you plant leaf things on a certain day, you harvest leaf things on a certain day, you plant flowers on a certain day, you harvest flowers on a certain day, root things, you know, uh, fruits, et cetera. It's, 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 it makes sense. (laughs) It just makes sense. And yeah, yeah, totally. And look, I I get it all the time. I've had it from, um, 
put on my toes. But my grandmother this morning, oh, you don't believe in all that, she said. <laughs> was like, oh, even when it's as close to home. And I, yeah. I reckon, but, you know, she sort of referenced that I think she was looking at OK Magazine or something. You know, she was referencing the wow, sun. That's just like nonsense astrology, yeah, right? Of course. And I, I mean, there's a reason why this stuff has survived for thousands of years and it still appears in a paper. Yeah. But, you know, sun sign astrology was originally bought to sell papers. They found, I think it was like the early part of the century. And of course, everyone knows their birthday. So it was the easiest thing to focus on. I'm sure if everybody knew their moon sign, they'd have picked up on that. Of course. But, you know, this idea, of that you know what is this big ball of rock you know spinning through space making my emails go haywire like and I, I get it when you look at it through that level and it's of course but I do think for me this kind of skepticism is a it's born out of a lack of understanding I still yeah. have never done a chart reading for somebody where they've turned around and gone now nah, it's still a load of old rubbish so it's you know we we, we you always... should do a chart reading for your grandmother yeah <laughs> Be amazing. Can, I think she's just hiding her birth certificate from me because she's lying I'm sure. Her <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, you know, it's, and, and I think the, you know, it, it's, so it's the lack of understanding, which I totally mm. get. And I'm fine with that because we're all on a path to working through our ignorance. But the other thing is that astrology is a symbolic language and it's not literally true. It's archetypally true. Yeah. So in ancient language, we, you know, as I say, when astronomy and astrology were one and the same, this is the idea of logos and mythos with the right brain and the left brain. Mm. So one is about myth and story and meaning making, and one is about logic. Mm. And, and we, you know, we can't lose one. We, you know, we couldn't lose the, the logical side of us. And for a long time, we were living in much more of a, you know religious paradigm let's say and that was the the kind of the overseer and then we've moved into this very secular very scientific uh, world which is we currently operate so this is coming out more and more but I always say and, and I love what you just said about the moon cycles because I mean I just if you want to understand the true nature of the universe like the science can't come up with all the answers it will tell you something so i nasa will tell you the science of the moon phase and when it and and how it moves and how much light and the percentage degree but can nasa explain to you the embodied feeling of how it feels to be a female as part of your waning moon cycle and you're in that dark moon and or you're in your follicular phase of your cycle yeah. no no because exactly. and we need both so we've got the scientific understanding of what's going on and thank god we have that nowadays but to then explain that, oh, you know, with agriculture, you know, and and what happens is we start to abandon it. And then we're into big agra, big pharma. Mm. We're into all of these things where it doesn't matter anymore because it's only material. If we were to take a sunset and just go, well, that's a series of atomic particles and that's a no, you sit and you look at that because it's it's archetypally deep and meaningful. Springtime mm. means something. Anyone's yeah. occupied a human body. So we need both of these things and astrology and the iron I always find as well science like well, where's the data and it's like oh there's only about four thousand years of it because know, astrology right? is cycles and when we can go through those cycles and this is what happened on a lunar eclipse for the last two thousand years we got some serious data here we understand mm. what's happening there but for me the most important part of this is this is re-embodying and again any of these um any of these modalities but re-embodying what does meaning mean because we are just not going in the right direction if we make everything secular I don't believe it's making people happy I think um a lack of let's call it spirituality or a lack of meaning in something beyond what I can quantify and measure is killing us. There are statistics around that actually that show, um, I forgot what they are, but they came out relatively recently 
um, that, and I think Jordan Peterson was talking about them and publishing them, um, basically mm. that if you don't, if you choose to not believe in something beyond what is tangible and what you can see, you have a higher chance of falling into depression, anxiety, medicating for those things, etc. Whereas if you choose to um, believe in the depths of our soul and that which we don't necessarily see or can touch, um, you mm -hmm. have a chance of living a much more fulfilled and happier life. Mm. Um, I love it that makes, you bring that up. It makes so much sense, doesn't it? Yeah, it's just it the, you know, as I said, if you, the minute you talk to someone, you know, about their embodied experience of something or the feeling they have of something, yeah. we come alive and we, I think we have to actively disconnect from this. There's a, there's a strong, there was an article the other day, I think in the Metro and poor old Emma Watson, like, uh, you know, Hermione Granger had yeah. mentioned her, her Saturn return and not in a, I saw that. Yeah. Did you say, yeah. And it wasn't like in a kind of pop psych, you know, a pop astrology kind of way her, which I thought was, she's, a, you know, she's a great sort of orator anyway. And she said something along the lines of like, wow, I didn't know what a Saturn return was, but my God, I embodied that experience and went into talk about that experience. This was a, she wasn't trying to fit something into a bracket it was a lived experience yeah. of, of, of a Saturn return she has a Saturn complex in her chart anyway I think she's Saturn square a sun or something so Saturn is a it, it plays a part for her um, and she just it, it spoke and this journalist proceeded to kind of you know tongue-in-cheek but sort of pull it apart and I thought but that's somebody's embodied experience she's not arguing a case it wasn't a theoretical thing she was talking about an experience of living that through she something had, exactly yeah and I kind of thought we, we need to stop doing that to people because of course because it's a window into that. your soul also yeah. right and that it builds mm. that human connection and when you open up to that mm. um there's just such a richness that you can create mm. Um, and I have to say that I, I have to give kudos to my husband here because he's pretty like anti woo woo and he says he's not spiritual. He says he doesn't believe in the soul, which is, I believe, nonsense, by the way, um, <laughs> <laughs> as in nonsense that he doesn't believe that stuff, yeah, yeah. but he's very open to astrology because it, because of that connection to science and because of his lived experience because he feels it right mm. he sees it in mm. me even on a monthly basis and how my menstrual cycle is aligned to the lunar cycle and it's just it's really yeah. fascinating stuff you know <laughs> and i think again and that is the because if i was sitting here and let's face it i'm sure there's there have been astrologers who have misused this throughout time as there of have course. been with any um, yeah, this is yeah mm -hmm. and this is the the dark, dark and light of any of any physical system um and but if I was asking you to believe something I'm telling you then I'm not doing the right thing if you're asking you your husband to have an embodied experience of that that is a very deep invitation yeah. and it's nothing to do with astrology and everything to, to do with you understanding yourself deeper now when you have this blueprint of a birth chart which is exactly what it is and I say to people it is a it's modeling clay. It's the, it's the mm -hmm. song sheet. If you're going to sing it out of tune, that's up to you. Mm -hmm. It's going to give you the notes. It's going to give mm -hmm. you the, you know, the melody, but you're singing that tune. Yeah, now I love that. it's, so you've got this again, and that's why it's the creative power. It's only the blueprint of a beautiful plan with some qualities and some gifts and challenges. But I feel like when you understand that blueprint, there's a level of self-acceptance there, which is like, yeah, I do have this Gemini moon and I, I do need to talk. And the fact that I get shut out by you know, my partner is, is a problem. Like, you know, I can find it. I'm not a chatterbox. So it's emotional. It's my moon. It's an emotional need in me to mm -hmm. communicate. 
and we can start mm. owning that you know so it becomes um self-acceptance which is then on your part your own path to self-love and when we're in self-love we can be in self-autonomy and self-sovereignty and then when we're you know your husband's up which is like I don't care what anyone's going to say to me. I have an embodied experience of this. And that's the truth of the truth of the truth. Beautiful. Beautifully put, Candace. Thank you. Now, (laughs) let's dive down. So we were going to dive into my birth chart and let's come back to that. But let's, let's, since we're on this blueprint conversation, if Mm. someone wants to pull up their birth chart through, I don't know, Chani app or part pattern app, or, you know, there's a million co-star or astro.com there's so many places you can pull up your birth chart you just put in your birth date place of birth and birth time that's very important mm-hmm. um actually okay bef- uh, i would love to ask you what what would be the first things that people can look at to start to familiarize themselves with their birth chart that might give them some insights into themselves but before we do that what happens mm. if you don't know your birth time because i have a friend who doesn't actually know what time she was born mm. it's it's challenging it's, mm-hmm. so I did a, I did a reading for somebody um last night and she didn't know her birth time now mm-hmm. there have been times so I'll often get um, a window of people and they'll say it's within mm-hmm. an hour with through experience now and understanding I can generally work through that because what the birth time gives you is what's called in astrology the house system okay. and the house system is started off by your rising sign so a lot of people are aware of their rising sign now so we only know our rising sign and therefore the 12 house system of life through the birth time now if okay. we don't have that there's still we can still work with where were the planets placed Okay. And in what signs were they placed? Yeah, the they planets, don't move like that quickly within a day. No, I mean, yeah. the moon can shift. So yeah. you might, again, you can check that. Um, the moon will, you know, the moon's in a sign between sort of um, two and a half, uh, two and a half days each month, and then mm-hmm. it will shift. So you might want to shift, see if in case you're on a moon day. You can usually suss it out with people, though. Mm-hmm. Like, this yeah, person's exactly. definitely like, you know, they've got a Virgo moon to mm-hmm. them. Um, but the planets tell us what so they're kind of if you look at it from a psychological perspective they're the parts you know the mars is our desire the mm-hmm. venus is our you know how we call in love jupiter is how you know the abundance factor saturn mm-hmm. is often where we're learning a lesson so mm-hmm. those the, the what is there and then the signs are there so the signs are very much how we do something and i always say to people it's kind of a little bit of a misnomer to over identify with the signs to so say like i am a gemini i am a right. taurus we're better off saying I, you know, I am Gemini-ing. I am, mm-hmm. you know, because the way that MJ does her son is in a Gemini way, as opposed yeah. to I am a Gemini. So it's a way of doing something. It's a how. Mm. Now the 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 house system, the time of birth, give us a what. So we get to see which area of life this plays out in. So it's that beautiful added dimension, and it does. It's what makes it personal. I so love how you explain that? That's so cool. <laughs> so it's it's the what, it's the how, and then there's the birth time. But we can still work that, and you can definitely see um, things like what we call conjunctions, the so two planets that are together. So if you're born, if you're born on a new moon, for example, your sun and moon are going to be in the same sign. Mm-hmm. If you're born on a full moon, they're going to be on opposite signs. Mm-hmm. Two very different personalities, like mm-hmm. just straight off the bat. A new moon person is operating both their sun, the way they shine, and their moon, their emotional nature, in in a similar archetype. Mm-hmm. Now, a, someone that's up in a sun moon opposition is you know there's a different pull there. There's on one hand, and it's all you know there's no there's no good or bad. There's always of just the it's just the, what's different. It's yeah. just what's different, exactly. And like you know, so there's an ability to hold both of those energies, mm-hmm. but they can also, as speaking as a full moon person myself, there's a there's sometimes a I'm caught between the two, like you know, one's one one end of the polarity and one's on the other end of the polarity. So 
there's still a lot that can be learned even without the birth time but mm -hmm. I think you know in Europe um, they actually do capture it on the birth certificate which I think is a great idea when you start yeah. doing that everywhere <laughs> yeah I think in the United States they might not actually because this is no. a friend that I'm referring to she's American and she just mm. um, and her mom doesn't remember unfortunately no. so I know um what was I gonna say I don't know if I'm a full moon or a new moon in terms of my birth do you remember you would be I'm a Gemini sun cancer yeah. rising Scorpio moon again you can do you can have a look at the moon phases you would be um what's known probably as a waning um that you'd be just waning off that full moon because you're coming yeah. off of Taurus and into Gemini that's what again, I thought because it's the moon first phase day of Gemini yeah literally I've got a feeling you would have been kind of what they call a like waning gibbous so just as that mm -hmm. full moon starting to come off again online you can check um mm -hmm. there's so many free um yeah, calculators. yeah, yeah. I, I just haven't checked that that's interesting and then okay. it's also worth checking your moon phase as well if it's something you're interested in it's mm. kind of interesting too um so many things that we could dive into I have a million questions <laughs> immediately but let's come back to the point <laughs> um I think we'll probably end up going a little over an hour today we'll see um <laughs> okay what the original question if people want to pull up if listeners want to pull up their birth chart mm -hmm. and start to get to know themselves through their astrology a little bit what would be maybe the first two or three things that they could look at that might give them a little bit of extra insight and i'm not I, and let's maybe skip the sun sign because that's mm. obvious sun signs are everywhere everybody calls themselves by their sun sign but we're so much more than that as you've said correct absolutely um and i be honest i do reading sometimes and i might not even mention somebody's sun sign yes i know yeah and it's um, <laughs> and it's not even because oh, i'm going to skip over it it's just because intuitively and then working with their chart i can sense that that's not perhaps the, the the energy that's strongly coming yeah. through. Also, and, and you know, you might read someone's chart sort of five years later, and it is coming through. It's like you know, there's there's so much more in it. I think as women, get to know your moon sign. Absolutely, yeah. it's 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 critical because it's such an well, it's, you know, it, it applies to to everybody, but it's the internal driver. It's the it's the irrational. It's the unspoken, and yet it can run so much of our lives. Mm. Um, this is very important as well for um, children. We are often we are our moon sign up to about seven years old. Mm. Um, so you and I probably as little you know as little little girls we were running around with this kind of scorpionic quality of like you know, and yet people were trying to you know they're looking to experience you in a Gemini way. And actually it's like, well, where's this light air? Like I'm, instead I'm getting this kind of like deep water and, you know, so it's, I really encourage people, to, especially with children. And I have a lot of teacher clients and they love doing this with their students. Yeah. And they're like, oh, because your moon is your nurturing. It's like what it, it can often lead into like, what's my love language. Mm. Um, your Venus sign can talk to you a little bit about that as well. But I just feel like get to know the moon first because it's your psychological core. It's that, you know, it's the inner, it's the id almost of your, of your, um, of your psychological foundation i and love can, that mm, it's a powerful one i think increasingly um see where saturn sits in your chart because mm -hmm. he, he's got he's got some stuff going on for most people um and again you don't need to know your birth time to know if saturn's making aspects to um to your sun or your moon and when i say aspects can go on astro.com go on any one of them you know it doesn't matter that's um the free software and it's the one most commonly used there's lunar but i think you have to pay for that there's the apps that you mentioned um what are the, the ones that bring up your birth chart you can actually just see the red and blue lines and you can immediately right. look and go 
red light. Okay, there's there's some there's something I'm working with in this lifetime. Your Saturn sign re- um, represents a a mastery lesson. What am I here mm. to master now? And Saturn will stay in this sign for about t- two and a half years. So you'll share that with your you know your your school peers, for example. But again, where that the house that appears will be personal to you. So there's a generational so I aspect. Have, I have Saturn and Sagittarius in the sixth house. Mm-hmm. So sixth house, I'm pretty sure is something around home, right? Um, yeah, I've got you down on the Placidus system with on the fifth house of um, Saturn. Okay. Yeah. So again, this comes down to the different house systems. I use Placidus only because it's um, adjusted for time, but you can also yep. use the equal house system. So the fifth house, uh, just in the, and this is applies to if, if you have any planets in the fifth house, um, of your chart the fifth house is the house of it's the i always call it it's the house of the inner child it's mm. our creative center so mm. this tells us with the fifth house we're looking to, to self-express it's a house of children because mm-hmm. it's connected to our innate creativity mm-hmm. it's connected to anything that we birth from ourselves mm-hmm. we kind of go through the first three houses of home and then we're breaking out to go what can i express through myself what is my kind of gift to the world um now saturn there's a mastery lesson here for you in the sign of um i think it's sagittarius you said right yep it's sag yeah so sag is fire mutable fire Mm -hmm. sagittarius is the philosopher Mm -hmm. it's that ability to you know sagittarius if you've known any sagis they're blunt they kind of they're straight to the point and they're so much fun um but these these are kind of it's the high wisdom keeper Mm -hmm. but saturn suggests a a mastery lesson in that of creativity of owning the owning the guru within, owning that part of ourselves. And when you do that, because Saturn isn't always, there's sometimes a misnomer that he's pretty tough all the time, but he contains, because he's got this um, archetype, he was Kronos in Greek mythology, Lord of time, patience, temperance, hold mm. back. You're going to learn. You're going to learn this. You know, they, they're the ones that stop you crossing the road, like, you know, because you yeah. don't get, so you're held back. But by knowing our limits, we know ourselves so deeply. And that's Saturn's mm. gift. I'm going to show you your limits so you can become the master of them. Mm. And so learning to not, you know, fall back and go, oh, I'm limited by that. Saturn's like, well, no, I don't want you to be limited by it. I want you to see how you can overcome them. I want you to see how you can really push up against those boundaries. So for you, I that fifth it. house of creativity, um, you know, Sagittarius very connected to overseas travel and just really wanting to explore their boundaries. And, yeah. you know, and, and I have not just... lived in my home country since eight, the age of 18, <laughs> half my life at this point, right? I'm yeah. always pushing and exploring boundaries. So this all aligns. I love it. <laughs> Absolutely. Hmm, fascinating. So yeah, Moon, Saturn, um, you know, it's, I would also suggest if you look at your chart and you've got a lot of planets kind of clustered in, in one section, area. Yeah. yeah, that's what we call a stellium. And mm-hmm. they, that can be a really interesting point for you to to delve into so look at the sign and the house that they're sitting in because that's something you're working with in this lifetime yeah (laughs) you're probably aware of it (laughs) i think i have a capricorn stellium scorpio stellium i don't know that's i'm looking at the chani birth chart right now yeah i think she uses no i think she uses the equal house system you have um 
I mean, you've got a nice, you've got a nice spread of, uh, you've definitely got some, like some gem, significant Gemini and 11th house yeah. for me, like your 11th house, couple of nice little asteroids in there as well. 11th house is this idea of community. It's the, mm. it's a higher vision for what we have of life. The 11th mm. house is very idealistic. And it's where we, um, it's the house of the future as well. Mm. So it's kind of got that Aquarian energy to it, where it's like, how, you know, very egalitarian. The 10th house is kind of top down. The 11th house is like, yeah, that's not really working for us now. So we're going to kind of move into this much more um, egalitarian. It's your tribe. It's your community. Um, very centered around the, the ideals of what it means to be um, in, in the collective yeah, I'm so, totally an idealist and I always have yeah, been. Yeah. And ever and I've been called out for it in a negative way as well, but I actually think we need more idealists in this world. We do. Especially going through this change. <laughs> especially going <laughs> through this big changes that we're going through, yeah. right? Um yeah. like I was talking with some other female entrepreneurs yesterday at this really beautiful brunch that I attended. Mm. And um I was talking about the fact that I have this tendency to always be like a couple of steps ahead and it's challenging. It can be lonely. It means sometimes my business isn't um, creating the kind of success that I would like it to be creating because it's just a little bit ahead of people. And I experienced that in the music industry with my business then, you know, I experience it now a little bit. It's quite interesting, actually. Mm. (laughs) Especially with your Chiron up there. And again, this is a lovely... Mm. He get he doesn't get as much press because um but he's so powerful. If you're involved in any self development work, any um you know coaching or just working with people, even just you you know wanting to be a loving friend, Chiron is the wounded healer. Yeah. We all have him in our chart. He never quite allows us. He I mean he has a strong degree of humility, but he never quite allows us to be comfortable. But you know <laughs> you and I've talked about this before. But when yeah. we learn to work with him when he shows us and we go into the wounds that we've got there and like wounding in the 11th house can feel like can I find my tribe can I find my community of people am I this crazy alien from the future who doesn't quite know how to you know as you mentioned it's isolating with Chiron in the 11th house but when we work with him and this you know his the Chironic alchemy is that I'm going to I'm going to work with this wound. I'm going to work with this sensitivity. And then I have this beautiful halo effect by having done that healing work on other people, especially Mm. in the 11th house, because it's so it's so collective focused. So if you have Chiron in like, you know, the the house of career or the house of like home and family, that those are those are difficult um, placements often for people. But Mm. it's you know, it's your gift as well. There's such a gift in there. It's meant for you to learn a lesson, right? Your soul chose that particular challenge for you in order to evolve it. At least that's what I believe. (laughs) 100%. Yeah. 100%. Okay. So let's talk a little bit. There are a few, still a few things I want us to talk about. Let's talk Mm. about nodal returns Mm -hmm. um, because we have a nodal shift coming this summer, I think, right? Yep um so if you want it we talked a little bit about nodes in already in the context of the eclipse mm-hmm. um but if we want to if you could explain kind of what that means the nodal return mm. um and then what that shift that's coming how we might feel it on an individual level and on a yeah macro scale macro, perfect yeah so on the 13th of july the nodes move from um Taurus Scorpio polarity mm-hmm. we talked about and into Aries Libra mm-hmm. so the one thing for because the nodes have been in Taurus Scorpio which is two of the fixed signs this is hammering down particularly hard on anyone that's got 
um, Taurus, Scorpio, Leo and Aquarius placements. There's been the fixed signs have kind of been through it in the last, you know, because of the, the way this nodal axis is often moved through people's charts. We're moving into Aries, Libra. Yeah. So Taurus, Scorpio is often seen as kind of the money or the resources polarity. Aries, Libra is the relational signs. Aries is I and Libra is we. You know, again, there's this beautiful dance that we have to do in this dual physical universe that we operate in. Um, so the nodes, um, they about a year, a year and a half to two years, they'll spend in, in two signs. And as I said, and, and when we have the full moon, um, for example, in Aries in October, I'm not sure what day that is, we will again we'll have an eclipse at that point mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. the nodes, the sun and the moon will meet. Yeah. Now so that's the exterior. Now on your um, birth chart, and again, you can go onto any app and look at this. Um, they'll, it will um, show up, probably, probably highlighted through some of the apps. Or if you go onto one of the web pages, it kind of looks like a little pair of headphones. And you can look up, it'll either say true node or north node. And you can see where that is. And the polar opposite of your true node or north node is your south node. Mm-hmm. So we're always coming from the south node energy the way evolutionary astrology will understand it it's almost like a kind of comfort zone mm-hmm. it's a point of which we're we've kind of mastered mm-hmm. and we're coming into this lifetime with it with a sense of that now moving into the north node this is this is energy we're not as familiar with this it's is like a destiny that... point kind of right yeah absolutely yeah, that's sort of how i understand it mm, definitely it's um it's very much about this idea of um what you're leaning into like your potential your nodal path points a lot to your potential it's a lot more subtle than like you know um sort of i don't know saturn which is like you've got a life lesson here and you're going to master this this is much more subtle it's like a an energy that you just want to be pulled into so the first thing today if you're having if you are around 37 so we have one at 18 we have one at 37 55 74 these are all approximate because i'm turning 37 this year there we go hello nodal return um, yep. <laughs> so you, you'll experience your nodal return um, because and because we talk about the nodes of the moon as being um, your exactly as you said, your, you know, your your destiny point, your your arc of experience, if you like. Mm. These are development points. So your nodal return becomes your check in. Mm. How are we doing? Like, you know, 18, 18 years old, I kind of had that little, you know, sort of check in with yourself. You want into adult. We have the first one and then we come around to around again this these because of the orbits aren't completely spherical we just we just have to check these but it's always um approximately around those times mm-hmm. um so during these returns the focus is very much on that idea of kind of soul growth personal growth how, how you feel comfortable defining that and really the work that you've done up to that point so the nodal return focus will you will just find there's certain things going on around you there is a culmination Mm-hmm. Not dissimilar to when we have a, a Saturn return. We, you know, we have a solar return, which is your birthday every year. Yep. And then we have a Saturn return every 29 and a half years. Returns are, I'm returning back. It's a culmination point. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking back on the hero's journey. And I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, it's sort of like a cycle completion or cycle what you said checkpoint. Yeah, absolutely. So that, that's, the, and, and because the nodes are so important um, in, in our, you know, in our, in our deep kind of soul development, it's a very powerful time. And I really, you know, it's great that you brought it up because I do really encourage people to, to have a look at what that might mean for them. And of course, mm. identifying where in their chart that might show up. So mm. if you are 36, 37, 38 right now, you're probably going to be looking like you're probably either coming in for your, your nodal return um, this year or it might be coming up. So 
have a look at that and you can see if you are on this Aries Libra axis, which of course you are. I am exactly. I have my Aries, I think at 29 degrees. 29 so, degrees, yeah. the anoretic degree, the mastery degree. Yeah, master, <laughs> master of what? Master of nothing. <laughs> so jack of all trades, master yeah, of Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is very much me. I am a jack of all trades, ma like super master of none, right? And that's a challenge sometimes as well, but that's kind of, I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah, it's also your gift. Like, yeah. you know, Gemini is like, is to hold things lightly and to play yeah. with energy. It's mutable air. It's like, yeah. you're not fixing it down. You're not hammering yeah. things. You're like, let's play with this. Let's understand ideas and shape them and pull them like, you know, and, yeah. and to reshape them for other people. It's beautiful. And it's so in line with my human design as well, because I'm a manifest, a 2-4 manifesting generator, and it really fits all of what you've just said. It's so interesting. Mm. <laughs> mm, definitely so this um so for you this when it moves on the 13th of july it is literally moving onto mm. you that's when your node or return is because as you say the nodes actually go backwards mm. um, the way we measure them so normally obviously we're going forwards but the nodes are always what they call retrograde okay. um so and if you don't mind just talking a little bit about your, your totally. personal <laughs> yeah thanks I think so we've um so the first thing that you as you mentioned correctly you have your north node in aries in the 10th house mm -hmm. So Aries is all about the I am. Mm -hmm. It's we're stepping into the I am. Like, you know, if you know any air, someone who's got strong Aries energy, they're, they're fun. They're about themselves. Yeah. They're like, they are here to show us. They are the cardinal point, that they're the zero point of the chart. They are the buds that is springing forth. You need a hell of a lot of ego to be yeah. that plant that's just going to spring forth and go, I'm going to do this. Um, ruled by Mars, a real warrior energy. So this is all about stepping into this I am in the 10th house of career and purpose. The 10th house is the most public part of the chart. Mm. Now, this is all, you know, this is stuff you're moving towards. This is not necessarily your comfort zone mm. because you're coming much more from a Libra fourth house area. So with the Libra south node, we can think of those as gifts. So, and some people talk about, oh, you, know, you get rid of your south node and you move into your north node. Not at all. We're evolving. Mm. We're imbibing. We're continuing to... Know, master so if I've understood one side of the polarity and, and I gently shift well sometimes not so gently depending on the <laughs> um, shift us into this north node so you know the Libra south node is someone who's got a strong sense of compromise and diplomacy being in relationship Libra's loving relationship is quite natural for you mm. but so going out on your own Libra operates in the we it loves it's the scales right it's the harmony and the balance yeah. of life so some sort of the sort of things you could ask yourself with the Libra South Node is like, have I created situations in my life where due to my indecisiveness or denying my own needs for other people and keeping other people happy, maybe not asking for what I want and showing up in the I am um, because of a fear of rejection and not being seen as a good person. These can be, you know, and the wonderful sides of Libra are there, but also the shadow side is really what starts to, we want to work with. So Aries is really asking you to pursue something you love for yourself. Yeah. And there's, and you know, and again, there's a lot, you know, that's selfish to do that. It's, it, and it's, it's so not, and you know, like, you know, I no, don't no, no, I, no, we don't, I don't, we don't believe that. <laughs> we don't, we just bullshit. No. Um, I've never met a, um, you know, someone that's like truly happy. It's like, I never did a thing I wanted my whole life. And it's like, mm. yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Surefire way not to feel great about yourself. Exactly. But this, so this idea is like, ask you to start something is Aries might they mm -hmm. take a stand like imbibing some activist energy so and then the house where this express is you know so this is the how we're going to do it and then obviously the house is the area of life that expresses so where we're going to do it and this is asking you to step up this is asking you to be public 
the the um south node fourth house um is often about you know uh, uh, linked to like kind of early childhood experiences mm. it's the private part and our emotional foundation so again you whoever your primary caregiver was you know you've got to think there were karmic reasons why you chose your particular parents um but i feel like with the aries and the 10th house for you this feels kind of masculine this is the divine mm. masculine coming through mm. and like what does that mean how does that mean to you know to step into the, the this public more um, masculine, um, typically masculine 10th house, which is the idea of I'm going to step forward and doing it in an Aries way. Mm. But it does mean um, challenging ourselves to say, what are the things that hold me back from truly being, you know, this this more public person? You know, yeah. what are the, the stuff in my emotional? So, and the nodal return to this work you've done for the past 18 years is a culmination point now. Mm. Um, and there will be things that happen for you to go, I did it. And there is, there's some kind of, I don't want to say reward because that sounds a bit trite, but there's a kind of, there's an, I feel like it's an innate knowing of, I did it. I stepped into the fire. I went on the hero's journey and I slayed a couple of dragons and, and, you know, and it's, it's not always it has to be suffering, but there's, there's something that we want to understand. There's had to be a certain level of, you know, you've been through your Saturn return at that point. You've been through, mm -hmm. there's certain things that you've picked up. You're probably going through your Pluto square as well. Mm -hmm, like probably. you're at a point you're like, oh, I've got yeah, I've got some I've got some scars going on, but I culminated in something. Yeah. Um this is fascinating. I love hearing this because this is very topical <laughs> for me right now and kind of what what is going to transform and change for me over the next mm. year. And I know that I've been holding myself back on certain things because cancel culture has definitely freaked me out a little bit, especially as I run mm. my business through the internet and I know I'm not the only one who feels that so there's so there are some challenges that I face in the, this area I'm not afraid to admit it um and so yeah it's hard but, I mean the Aries like I don't shit it's like that's the Aries kind yeah. of energy now yeah, I have a very when... good friend who's an Aries and I can look to her as sort of like an example <laughs> of this and she's great at this stuff and I love it I really admire but, that but in you her. Can't, yeah, and you can't fake this stuff either. No. The idea of like, I'm going to, you know, th this is not divine masculine to then turn yeah. into a toughie and go, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm hardened to, you know, your your Libra South Node energy is gentle and very aware yeah. of, of other people. And so you can, bring, you can bring that diplomacy in, but the best opportunities of your life, the strongest soul kind of, you know, the, the enrichment you're going to feel is, it's it's got an almost warlike quality and it's not mm. always to say like getting into a bit of a battle with people at times and obviously nothing is going to drain your energy but sometimes like to me this feels like something you're standing up for yourself yeah, and you're standing up for other kind of stand yeah. yeah and like do you know what everyone's got an opinion mm, i know <laughs> it's I know. like yeah 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 you know and it's like and that's maybe one of the dragons that you've chosen to do yeah. battle with with some of this yeah. um because they're testing you and it's like yeah but here's my culmination point look what i've achieved and it's nice to reflect and look back and you know it's important we need to do that yeah very exciting thank you for sharing all of that stuff <laughs> so um i want to start to head towards wrapping us up there are two more things that i would like us to talk about um mm -hmm. one is i want to go kind of macro um i feel like and many traditions, Mayan traditions, many I Ching, human design, they're kind of showing us that we are on this large collective level going through a huge shift. 
Mm. Um, and I would love to hear from an astrological perspective, what do you see happening over the next five years, 10 years? I don't know if you can put a timeline mm. on it. Mm. Um, I know we have some like Aquarius and Saturn stuff happening, some Pluto shiftiness going on. <laughs> There's just so much happening on a collective level that is evolving us as humanity, as society. Mm. Um, and I would love to hear your perspective on that. Mm. What do you see happening? What can people expect? What can they do? Yeah, God. So there's a few, uh, yeah. So as you mentioned, there's been a couple of significant shifts in the last few months. The first of those, um, and probably the one that's going to be really sort of teetering for this year up into 2024. And 2024 is definitely a gateway year um, mm -hmm. this year and into 2024. And I think a lot of that, and as you said, other traditions have mentioned it through different um, different sort of signposts, but this is Pluto in Aquarius. So we've mm -hmm. had Pluto, that tiny little icy planet that's... Sometimes easy... doesn't even get planet status. I know. <laughs> right? You would be angry too, right? <laughs> You'd throw a fit. <laughs> um, so this idea, and again, remember, this is obviously all archetypally, but he was, you know, Pluto is very much... Um, He's kind of the the sole lesson we're all getting. And he his orbit is about 248 years anyway. Um, Pluto has just moved into Aquarius. I mentioned he's going to retrograde um, a little bit. He's going back into Capricorn. And these retrogrades are kind of like deja vu moments. And then at the end of 2024, he steps in fully into Aquarius and he's off to the races. So from 2008 all the way up to, you know, kind of now into 2024, he's been in the sign of Capricorn. So when in these big um, cross-generational planets, we can look to the archetype of that particular um, constellation and say, what's been happening there? Mm -hmm. So Capricorn is the CEO, right? It's big business. It's the patriarchy. Mm -hmm. It rules government. It rules- We went for, um, through a industry. huge financial crash in 20, 2008, 2008, which governments went in and saved banks and then corporate interests started to really take over governments, basically. Exactly <laughs> right, exactly Interesting, right. Interesting, yeah. So what Pluto does on an archetypal level is because in, he's, you know, Hades in Greek mythology, mm -hmm. he's Lord of the Underworld. Mm -hmm. Now he's greatly feared because of course, in our kind of culture, we're the fear of the dark side and the fear of the underbelly of everything. He will take, and uh, by the way, this applies on your own personal birth chart too. So again, as above, so below the Pluto, the Pluto aspect um, in your chart, the Pluto placement in your chart will tell you where you're working with this energy. He, he really he brings us into the darkness in order that we can bring light to it. So I actually mm. think he's got a very, you know, kind of that Kali energy, very just the destroyer. Like it just, mm. it just scorches through because if it no longer serves, he's going to bring it to the surface. He's yeah. and he's going to watch it crumble. Yeah, he's going to yeah, just have yeah, that yeah. tower moment. So all through Capricorn, he's been looking at how we play this out on a planetary level. So it's, and it's less about, you know, things are more corrupt. It's just Pluto's been exposing it. Pluto's been mm -hmm. saying like, you know, these bailouts and then, you know, you, you see so many, um, whether it's government in, involved with big business and just, we are being shown these things to ask, mm -hmm. is this the direction we still want to go in? Yeah, so is this it's serving not just saying his work is done here. Mm -hmm exactly and he's showing us this dirty underbelly and going you want this you say mm -hmm. and so again it, it's right because he's just so disruptive and transformative he's showing us that 
So um, with these retro, these ingresses into Capricorn all the way into um, Pluto into Capricorn into 2024, I think we're going to keep seeing this and it's not going to be easy, but it's like the last bastions of this kind of society that's just not working for people anymore. Yeah, I mean, that's clear. My listeners are well averse, right? Like it's clear that what's happening in the world isn't working for the planet, uh, for Mother Earth. It's not working for us as humanity. It's not working for our souls um on a collective level so we've we talk i talk about that a lot yeah and so it's got to be exposed now when he moves into aquarius he's going to take on a very different archetype because aquarius is um this is about the future so he's bringing a lot of transformation associated but so you can think a little bit about your 11th house energy Mm. which is like the future it's like what is what are we envisioning far more egalitarian a kind of collective sort of Mm. brotherhood feeling i think we're going to see a lot more equality we're going to see people just just basically not accepting a lot of what you know this Mm. kind of hierarchical system the shadow of pluto and aquarius i think will be a lot of the stuff um, that comes through with ai Mm-hmm. um you know i think one of the big questions and this is he's there for the next 20 years by the way so this is like going to be for a lot of our, Buckle the up. Of our working life. yeah <laughs> literally um i think quite, what does it mean to be human what does it mean to mm-hmm. you know so questions around like you know the soul and consciousness he's going to be bringing a lot of that in and you know the last time pluto was aquarius was you know russian communism so again mm-hmm. the shadow side of brotherhood and fraternity can be mm-hmm. where the, the individual is completely lost and we're just working as this kind of collective drone. Like, we don't want that either. The mm-hmm. high vibrational of Aquarius is like, you know, we're kind of, we're in this commune and we're holding hands and we're building, you know, we're building something that, that works for us and for the earth. And we get to decide. Pluto won't do that. He's just going to say, oh, you want this? Mm-hmm. You want chat GPT to just write this for you? Like, or do you want to continue to have a creative expression of your soul? Mm-hmm. And he has no view. He's just like, here it is, you know, mm-hmm. like, so he's playing with that. So that's going to, that's the next 20 years. That's huge. Um, Saturn has moved into Pisces until um, I believe 2026. Now this is going to be interesting because Saturn obviously moving into Pisces, which is the last sign of the Zodiac. Mm -hmm. Um, Something's ending, something's culminating. Again, it's that culmination thing, right? Now Saturn, as we mentioned, is often about, um, you know, taking responsibility. This is kind of collectively, uh, where we might feel some restrictions my feeling with Saturn in Pisces is we're going to on the let's say higher vibe side we're going to see a lot more businesses Saturn you know um, organizations embracing the spiritual side of things mm. a lot less kind of you know bureaucracy and like the the sort of like the boundaries Pisces has a sort of tendency to dissolve that so mm. I think this idea of people waking up more on the um on the Saturnian side of the world, that there's going to be more of this waking up, more mystical, more spiritual, just the woo-woo, I guess, the embracing yeah. of the woo-woo, because we're going to start to see, you know, like quantum physics, and there's a lot of like kind of convergence points now where the two mm-hmm. never did meet, and actually Saturn's going to bring that in. I feel also as well, we're going to see, and this is something as well for kind of your listeners and for all of us to be aware of, I think we're going to see a lot of um the kind of gurus the people we held up maybe as yeah Yeah. spiritual leaders yeah that's and that's necessary now this means there's going to be a crisis of faith on a lot of parts and I think part of that Saturn is very connected to this idea of self-sovereignty so Mm. once again it's like can I hold somebody to be a spiritual leader or to be a very wise person, but also know they're human and they're fallible Mm. because Pisces is so idealistic and it's like oh you know and it's like 
the only thing we can hold sovereign is our own choices and everything mm. else is external to that and I think we're going to see a lot of this a, a sort of restructuring of what it means in in the spiritual community if you want to call I it love that. that you bring this up we've just mm. seen an example of this with the Dalai Lama right Doing yeah that really uh, in incredibly inappropriate and condemnable yeah. tongue-sucking thing with that child yeah. who was clearly uncomfortable mm. and it was horrific to witness yeah. and I think that that was really hard for a lot of people um to see because we hold up the Dalai Lama as this figure yeah. of you know yeah. peace and unity and compassion and when you see him literally abusing a child it's just mm. like whoa what what <laughs> it's very and disorienting is, it's very and it's and you can and there's obviously a lot of I know a lot of I've seen a lot of Buddhist kind of you know mm. teachers and um kind of come out and say like and but I think for me the lesson felt very what came to me very strongly was he's a man exactly and he's a human fallible fallible yeah. and also let's you know these children get plucked out at kind of five years old there is mm. I look at him and I see a child I see someone that's never even like the Michael Jackson complex I can yeah. kind of see a, there's something in there where there's not the, the formation and the initiation that is required to grow up mm -hmm. and I, you know I've not been inside the the Tibetan Lama kind of but I I've, I am actually a friend of mine used to have a llama strangely enough like living in a house she gave him hmm. and there's a childlike quality which is endearing and wonderful but it's also strange for a grown man yeah. because you are a grown man now I I'm not going to take a view on what was behind that and whether it's edited but it's he is a man and as you say he's fallible and he's also coming with a serious amount of neuroses because mm -hmm. of the, the lifestyle you know you get plucked out of that and told you're going to be this great teacher and you know it's but it doesn't but it doesn't negate the teachings it doesn't negate the wonderful stuff yeah. but that's it's not just like human. with michael jackson you can separate the human from the art right yeah and i think and again like maybe like you were saying with cancel culture and stuff we've got to get out of that that's you know that's mm. bullshit that's not helping anybody yeah. um we we need to be able to have strong conversations mm. and then just tune and and the satin and pisces are going to ask us to tune into like what does feel resonant and real and what does, but I think that it's going to be an upturn in creativity. There's going to be an upturn in, in just leaning on intuition. I'm already mm. seeing people saying, you know, I want to do a workshop and empathy and intuition for our leaders, like for these big consulting firms. I'm kind of like, you know, there's a skeptic in me that's like, are you ticking a box or is there, but there's a genuine need there. Mm -hmm. um, so, I love that. You know, yeah, and I think, and this is where we can play a part in that. And this is where, you know, I, I dream of the day where we can bring astrology into workplaces and bring, you know, like the work that all of us do and start saying to people, like, have you done that self-reflection? Are you are you Beautiful. working? So I think that's going to yeah. be a big theme of um, Saturn in Pisces for the next couple of years. Amazing. Thank you for sharing. Exciting. It's exciting for me. Like, I know people are like, oh, my God, I'm so afraid of everything that's going on. But as you mentioned earlier, I believe we're living in the tower, the, the time of the tower card from the tarot. And it doesn't scare me. Everything has to crumble so that we can build anew. Um, and it's so clear that what we currently the paradigms that are currently um, structuring society, economy, um, science, uh, religion, the way that we function as a as a collective whole on this planet, they're just not serving anybody except for a tiny, tiny group of people. And mm -hmm. so I'm kind of, ex I'm excited for this change. Like, you know, yeah. big girl pants on and let's do it, right? Yeah, and I think, <laughs> I, I would say to anyone listening, like there's been, I think there's been a frustration for a lot of people that are mm -hmm. wanting to pioneer. And like, I'm sure you're, 
you know, your North Ode Aries and 10th house is like chomping at the bit of it. It's going to go, yeah. when do we start? When just do we like, start? And what exactly start? are we doing? Because I'm not quite sure, <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Because the feminine, the, 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 you know, they talk about this idea and like an indigenous size of like, it's like a bird with one wing and we need that mm. this feminine wings unfolding. We're not getting rid of the masculine. We're just, no, but this exactly. bird, this like, you know, flying straight. Beautiful. And when the, the feminine comes in, you know, I've obviously mentioned this to you before. It's like, you know, what does that blueprint even look like? But guess what? The feminine has to feel into it. The very yeah. creation of the blueprint has to be made with the the substance of the blueprint. So mm. if we're feeling it in and we're allowing for the intuitive and the irrational and all the, you know, the lunar qualities of the feminine, which is, you know, we're going to lead through a sense of intuition. We're going to have a much more nurturing approach to mm. the people um that you know uh, that work in organizations businesses large and small so the time is coming and the one thing that astrology does show is timing like that's and it's been frustrating for so many of us who've like they're on this path but there's been a reason we're holding back we needed yeah. pluto to go through capricorn yeah. we needed the powers to start crumbling because from those ashes exactly as you mentioned the new gets built and it's like i would really encourage people to say like what tool are you picking up in this new earth and not mm. you know i have to we all have to battle our ego at times it's like i want to do it this way and I want it. it's like your own little piece of the patchwork quilt is going to be so powerful and it has to be so true to you mm. what what gifts are you bringing in look to your birth chart what gifts mm. are you bringing if you are bringing the gemini gifts of communication and connection if you are bringing that you know you've got this um jupiter which is where we're exalted where the biggest part of us you've got yours in in pisces like bringing that spiritual mystical mm. quality are you working with that because there's some clues in there about how you can bring about this this new earth and become mm. part of part of the architecture and part of the fabric so there's just i mean there's so such little point in like feeling despondent because we're just going to pick of up course. a tool and we're going to work together and i can tell you all the people that are going to work together are the best fucking people they're so good it's they're exciting like isn't people. it <laughs> i know it's so exciting okay this leads us perfectly into my very last question this is the question i ask all of my guests at the end of the episode mm. and i i'm sure you might you have you know this is coming what is your vision my dear for this new earth that we're talking about what do you mm. see gosh it was so funny because i went to google that earlier <laughs> i thought oh my god i thought no that's not what she's asking for like what it's... i want to hear what you yeah, have to what say what my soul want to see it's in the quiet moments it's just you know, and I'm trying to find something that doesn't sound like too Miss World pageant, but it is a sense. <laughs> of, I think, and I've I've been told this several. So I think there's at the moment there's a strong feeling of we must do this thing, and here's how we tackle climate change, and we focus on carbon neutral, and we do all these things, and it's like that's never felt to me like that's the energy of how we change stuff because yeah. just like the human body, nature is so much smarter than our little mm. brains can comprehend. The world will heal itself. Our traumas will heal themselves if we just start tuning in and start mm. looking, I think, at where, A, there's the, you know, what brings me happy and not what makes me happy because I need to have it because I'm being driven by some kind of lack, but what is my creator energy? Where do mm. I feel like I'm bringing that sense of joy? And every day that I feel like, no, just give myself permission to do that. Just give myself permission to not worry about the money today and not worry about, you know, all these things that, you know, I've, I've got going on. I think there's there's a 
there's a beautiful balance to be struck between what sets my heart on fire and also how can I put that in service of humanity and I think mm. that sometimes gets forgotten a little bit because there is that you know do it for yourself yes do it for yourself but everything you do for yourself how are you putting that into service of because that connection that's what we're craving that's mm. why there's so much um upset around and the more we can connect with people and we've you know we've been gifted social media and we gifted all these things and we can let you know we can get the robots jump off mm. with that or we can take charge of that and build yeah. connections and conversations so for me it's like it's just it's doing the work on myself and, I, and when I and I you know it is you know be the change you want to see and then from that start allowing you know the the battles that I want to have with people and see my way it's like we just you're just feeding into a, a polarity and you're feeding into a kind of you know into a sort of friction um, a division a, yes mm -hmm. exactly a division that doesn't need to be there so can I remove the divisions within myself mm. when I can start removing those divisions in myself I do feel that they start to um, they start to fall away externally and that as within sound... so below or whatever right as within so without right it the, works... the old hermetic principle exactly, exactly. Um, and I feel like I, I can't it's overwhelming when I think of the world. So I've got to start with me mm. and how I can be of service to it. And the best way to be of service to it is to just follow that. Like, well, this is what you want to do. You keep, you know, you want to do astrology and you want to meet people and you want to be in connection and do these women's circles. And you also want to have like a really yummy glass of wine and some mm. delicious food and great sex. And like, like, these are the things you want to do. So you know, just <laughs> own all of that. So yeah. it's, it's part and parcel of being human, but I think, just allowing it to come in it's coming in it's just like allowing and if I can allow it within me then the world can surely allow it with everybody else you know gorgeous I love that thank you so much for sharing that this has been such a joy to talk with you as always whenever we do a reading I feel like I got some little mini nuggets for myself as well in my own chart so I really appreciate that I hope this has been beneficial for my listeners I know it has been beneficial I don't even need to hope <laughs> and I'm you... sorry we're so over time no <laughs> nothing to apologize for I allowed that because you are a fountain of wisdom and it is I love how you break things down in such an easy to understand way um so thank you so much Candace for being here um yeah thank you thank you my darling lovely to see you yeah you too Thanks for tuning in. If you loved this episode, leave a review or share to a friend because sharing is caring. As always, I would love to hear your takeaway from today's MJ's Magic Hour. So drop me a DM on Instagram, Magdalena Jensen underscore coach. If you have been considering coaching, I would be thrilled to support you to create sustainable change in your life feel free to check out my website, www.magdalenajensen.com and let's chat. It all starts with a conversation. Take care of yourself and sending love.